Good morning. A special shout out to all the people uh, viewing online right now. I feel like I am one of you all. I have been away from Browncroft for six weeks. And while I was away, I was watching every week uh, on your little computer screen in my jammies, just like some of you are watching right now. So big shout out to you. I hope that no matter whether you're here, watching online, wherever it is, that God meets us all in a special way way today, this morning. Uh, several years ago, I was hiking in the mountains of Montana with a bunch of college students. And we were climbing this mountain. It was June, but the last half mile of this mountain we were climbing, we were hiking in waist-deep snow. So we were trudging through, trying to make it to the summit. And we did. We made it to the summit, and when we got to the top, it was beautiful. The, the view from the top was worth it all, right? Then we ask ourselves a question. How in the world are we going to get down from here? <laughs> Thankfully, one of the leaders who was with us had an idea. He had just made the same hike a week before with some other students, and he had said, you know what we did last time? We went down on our butts down the mountain. We just slid down the snow. We all thought, that sounds like a pretty good idea, especially since our legs are, feel like jello right now. Let's go for it. And actually, it, it was a good idea for about the first couple hundred yards or so. It was fantastic. Then there was this turn that you couldn't see around. Now, now, mind you, I'm approaching this kind of like a luge person in the Olympics. You ever see those, those Olympians? You know, woohoo! I'm just, I am just having the time of my life, going down a mountain on the snow, just having a, a beautiful time. I was the third person in line, and I didn't realize that the two guys ahead of me had stopped. And... I actually didn't see that until the last minute, and as I was going by them, I heard them go, stop, 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 and I, by that point, it was too late. I fell off a cliff about 15 feet, I dropped, and now I was going straight down a hill uncontrollably. I twisted around, I tried to gain momentum, but I couldn't get a hold of anything, and now I'm going down this hill, straight down, on my stomach, and all the wind is getting knocked out of me. <clears throat> and I'm headed right towards this huge boulder. The thought in my mind is, this is when it all ends. That's the, that's the one thought I had in my mind. I, the last second, it just so happens, I put my arm up like this as like, oh, Lord, this, you know, take my spirit. And, and I, it, somehow I like bounced off of this rock, twisted around, and now I went down the rest of the way on my butt, and I finally came to a stop. And the first question I asked was, am I dead? I looked around and I discovered, I don't believe this is heaven, so I think I'm okay. And then the second was, I, I started to do this body scan, like what's broken? Something has to be broken. Something has to be wounded, like I, I'm probably gonna have to get helicoptered out of here. Thankfully, maybe miraculously, uh, I, I escape with nothing but scrapes and bruises. However, that experience taught me a lesson of what it feels like to be out of control. Totally helpless, totally unable to stop. 
And when I'm in that position in my life, I feel anxious, I feel worried, I question God's character, I question if he really cares about me, I question his power. Are you really as powerful as you say you are? Those are the things that go on in my mind. I imagine that those are things that you think about as well. I bet there are people in this room whose lives feel pretty out of control this morning. Maybe it's relationships that are broken. Maybe it's an addiction that you can't seem to break. Maybe you've been trying to have kids, but it just isn't turning out the way you thought it would. Perhaps you're walking with a loved one through a terminal illness. No matter what it is, we all experience those type of events in our lives. And sometimes there's this phrase that people will use when we're walking through a difficult time. And I'd like you to finish the phrase if you can, okay? God will never give you more than you can handle. That's nice, right? Beautiful. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a great, it's a great phrase. Only problem is, uh, it's not true. Okay? And, and some of us have known that from experience, right? My wife and I had the opportunity to mentor a couple uh, when they were going through college. And this past January, I sat in a church like this where they were having a memorial service for their four-year-old son who died of cancer. That was a situation that was more than they could handle on their own. I heard another couple, some friends of ours this past week, talk about their son who got injured playing football. He uh, had a traumatic brain injury. He got hit in the head as he was playing football. And he basically lost all of his ability to function. And so he's had to learn how to walk all over again and has to have 24-7 care. For them, I would say they expressed that it was more than they could handle. So there are situations that some of us and maybe even a very real in your life right now, that on your own, you feel like, I can't handle this. Is there hope in the midst of that? When life is chaotic, when life seems like it's out of control, is there hope? And my good news to you this morning is, yes, there is hope. And we're going to look at a passage this morning that tells us where it's found. That passage is in Matthew 8, 23 to 27. So if you have a Bible in front of you, you can open it up to that. If you have a copy on your phone, on version, that's a great app to utilize. Uh, you can look it up on your phone as well. Let me set this passage up, though, for us ahead of time. The series we're doing on miracles is all out of the book of Matthew. Matthew was written to a predominantly Jewish audience in the first century, and the book of Matthew was written with a distinct motive. Jesus is king. So all throughout the whole book, you're going to see Jesus talked about as king. The word king and kingdom are all throughout the book of Matthew. 
And the scene is set up that we're going to be looking at today as Jesus is really doing a ton of miracles and he's doing a ton of teaching and the crowds are starting to follow him in the midst of that. Now, I don't know what your experience is when you think about this scene, right? My experience has been mostly filtered through movies about Jesus that I've seen on TV. So most of the time when you see movies about Jesus teaching on TV, they are people, you see Jesus walking along the shore, right? You guys got this image in your head? And Jesus is going along going, bless you, my child, bless you. Bless you, my child, bless you. And everybody's keeping a nice safe distance and everybody's happy, right? It's, it was probably a little bit different than that. You know, um, I watched a documentary on the Jonas Brothers recently uh, <laughs> by myself. Um, for cultural research purposes. Anyway, uh, so, so it was probably more like that. When the, when the Jonas Brothers were first becoming big, a big deal, they would throw, have these concerts. They could not move in the space, right? They were just constantly being pushed. They had to have security guards going from them. So you have this scene in which Jesus is probably like the chaos is around him and people are trying to get a look at him and the disciples are probably acting as bodyguards in some ways and, and they're along the Sea of Galilee and it, I, when you read that, you're like, I don't know the size of that. I, I don't get it. Is that Lake Ontario? Is that the Mediterranean? Like, you don't understand. If you want to know the size of the Sea of Galilee, you just go about 45 minutes from here, drive down to Seneca Lake, okay? Same acreage as the Sea of Galilee. I did a little research on that. That's pretty cool. Anyway, just so you know. Um, So that's where they're at. And Jesus, Peter read a passage last week where Jesus actually commands the disciples to get in this boat and to cross to the other side of this lake. And we're going to pick up the story there. Matthew 8, 23 to 27. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed. What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. All right, we're going to break this passage down into little chunks together, okay? We're just going to read it through and look at the character of Jesus through this passage. We're going to look at the first verse. It's easy to skip beyond this, but we're going to look at this one first. It says, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Whose idea was it? to go to the other side of the lake? Yes, exactly, Jesus. Good answer. That's exactly right. It was Jesus' idea. Now, what does this tell us about the character of Jesus, that, that he would do this? Did he, was he just oblivious? He didn't know that a storm was going to come up? I think what this tells us about his character is that Jesus is more concerned about our character than about our comfort. Oh, I don't want to step on any toes here this morning, okay? But 
But for us in our society, that doesn't sit really well most of the time, right? Because our society is all about our comfort. We love our comfort. And sometimes even through our Christian lens, we can have this idea that Jesus really wants me comfortable. But in reality, Jesus is more concerned that we see him, experience him, become like him than, we are, than he is about us being comfortable. That's a little bit tough for us. But let's continue to read this passage together. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Now, it takes a brief reading of the Bible to discover this truth. The disciples were not good at a lot of stuff, okay? You, do, you don't really have to do too much reading, but you see over and over and over again, they are a bunch of failures at just about everything they do. Uh, with the exception of, you would think, right, they would know their way around a boat. At least four or five of them were professional fishermen, so they, this was their area of strength. Jesus, you want us to sail across the lake? Fantastic. We got you covered, because that's what we do for a living. We got you. Um, have you ever noticed that the biggest storms in your life I mean, the storms that really rock your world are often in the areas where you feel you have a strength. Have you ever noticed that? I think of my own self as someone who is pretty good around relationships. I can connect with people pretty well. Um, but that hasn't always been the case in my life. I remember when I was just in first grade, uh, when I first got to school, I remember having such a tough time making friends. I was kind of a shy kid. I didn't know really how to reach out to people. And for the first couple of weeks of school, I remember feeling really, really lonely every day I went home. Until I met this one kid named Scotty Hoffman. And Scotty Hoffman was a buddy for me. He was kind of like, oh, I'll be your friend. Okay, cool. All right, great. And I, once I had that, I was like, I never want this to stop. I never want to feel that alone again. Sometimes when I'm going through the storms of my life now, they often, the biggest ones often revolve around relationships. They often revolve around me feeling like I'm alone again. And... I feel like that little kid in first grade desperately wanting to keep a connection with his friend. That's how it plays out in my life from time to time. What did the disciples want Jesus to do in this passage? I don't think they really had any idea of what he was going to do. But the waves were were filling up the boat, right? And they knew as fishermen, we got to get this water out of this boat or we're all dead. And so probably, and if you see in Mark 4, Jesus interacts with them more, 
They actually, in Mark 4, they said, Jesus, don't you care about us? We're going to drown. Here, they say, Jesus, save us. You're going to drown. They were probably saying a lot of stuff in between this time. But I, I think kind of the subtle message beyond it all is this. Jesus, pick up a bucket. Okay? Jesus, help us bail water out of this boat. Get a bucket, Jesus. Help us out because we're all dying here. Don't you care about us? Do you ever feel that way in your relationship with Jesus? Do you ever want him to just pick up a bucket and make whatever it is in your life that's causing you pain stop in the way that you want it to stop? Jesus, do things my way and it'll all be fine. Anybody else? I do that in my life all the time. Well, Jesus doesn't do things the disciples' way. He has something way better in store for them than picking up a bucket. Um, and the, the story goes on to tell us, he replied, you of little faith. Now, I used to think when I read these stories that Jesus was like this, you of little faith, and like, like kind of sarcastic and kind of bitter towards them. I don't think that's Jesus. If you read the stories of Jesus, that's not how he interacts with people. I think he's compassionate to them. It's you of little faith. Um, why are you so afraid? Don't you know who's in the boat with you? Are you not aware that I'm right here? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. Jesus does the unthinkable. Nobody does this. Nobody just speaks to the wind. Try it next time there's a thunderstorm, okay? Try it. Stop. It doesn't happen, okay? Jesus does the unthinkable. He causes the waves and the winds to stop just by speaking. Now, if you were a first century Jewish person reading this passage, your mind would immediately go back to another biblical story, the story of Jonah. Do you all remember this? Some of you remember this story of Jonah. Jonah is running away from God, not running toward God. Jonah's running away from God, and he is caught in the middle of a storm. He, like Jesus, is asleep in the middle of a boat, in the middle of this storm. But unlike Jesus, Jonah has to physically throw himself overboard in order for the winds and the waves to stop. Jesus is simply speaking, and the winds and the waves stop. That's the difference between them. And that's a pretty significant difference. If you're reading this passage, you go, Jesus is more than just a prophet like Jonah. Jesus is really king from this passage. And Jesus asked that ridiculous question in there. Why are you afraid? Right? Well, Jesus, the boat is filling up and we're going to die. That's why we're afraid. Um, but here's what Jesus is getting to. When we focus on our circumstances, it leads to fear, right? When we focus on Jesus, it leads to faith. Let me say that one more time so it sinks in for us. When we focus on our circumstances, it leads to fear. When we focus on Jesus, it leads to faith. That's what he wants us to grasp here this morning. The disciples have this reaction to him right? And the disciples' reaction should be our reaction as well. 
the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Who is this in the boat with us? That's what the disciples are trying to grapple with. Who in the world is this? And that's what we should be grappling with in the same, at the same time. Is Jesus simply somebody to bail out water in my life? Is that what Jesus is there for? Or is he something more? I would say this. I think there's two different ways you can look at Jesus. One of them is this. My life, Jesus, I want you to adjust the way you do things so that I'm a happy person, okay? My, it's all about me. A second is this, where Jesus is the king and we follow Jesus. Now, that's a distinct, different vantage point of the way to approach life. Let me talk about how this can play out for us, practically speaking. A life focused on ourselves often has these three factors to it, right? It has, it has comfort, control, and security. We want all of those things in our lives. Or is it just me? Is it just me? It could be. I don't know. No? Okay, good. All right. A couple other people struggle with that too. Control. Let's take that one. When I'm trying for control, when I'm like, Jesus, bail out the water in my life, I'm the center, do things my way, right? I want control. What does that lead to in my life? That ends up leading to anxiety, for me, ends up leading to anxiety when everything is about me controlling it. When I get to the point where I realize, Jesus, I want to turn everything over to you. You are in control. You know what I end up experiencing? Peace. Peace. Because he's the one that has the ability to grant me that peace. When my life is centered around my comfort, where I'm like, Jesus, just make me comfortable here. I'm just trying to get through. Make me comfy. When my life is centered on that, I end up having this insatiable desire for more, right? Anybody else? Like, I just need more. Just give me something more, and, and, then, I'll, and then I'll be more comfortable. Then I'll have enough. When my life is focused on Jesus, and I can put aside my comfort, realizing that I already have enough. Jesus is enough. When my life is focused on my security, when it's all about me and I, I got to make sure that I am okay, I'm secure, you know what I end up living in? Fear. Because I'm always afraid that that security is going to get taken away. Oh, don't let that security get taken away, right? When I'm focused on Jesus and him being the king of my life, what ends up happening is that I actually live in freedom rather than fear. And these are things we get to experience when we say, Jesus, you have the right to be the king of my life. Not only do we get to experience that, but we get to bring that same thing to the people around us. That same peace, because here is the truth. Jesus is still doing miracles today. He is still at work in the world around us. He is still doing miracles today. He is still alive and well. It's beautiful. I was on a trip to East Asia 
uh, with some friends at a missions trip, and we had a great time. We came back, we were on the flight back, 13-hour flight back, and one of my friends was sitting across the aisle from me. I'm asleep, because it's a long ride, and he taps me on the shoulder, and he says, pray for me. I'm going to go pray for that guy up there. I'm like, what? What are, you even, what are you saying? So I'm all dazed. I look, and there's a guy who's rolling around on the floor in pain in the middle of this airplane over the Pacific Ocean, right? So there's no hope of getting help at this point. So my friend goes up to the flight attendants who are gathered around this man, and he says, I'm a minister of Jesus. Um, can I pray for this man? And the flight attendants are like, sure, whatever, that's fine. You know, we'll give it, give it a shot, see what, see what happens. Um, and so he, he gets up, he, he kneels down to the man, he says, I'm a minister of Jesus, I'm just going to pray for you. And he says, Jesus, will you heal this man? Will you give him peace? And he just gets up. He said he felt like that was all he needed to pray for him. And then he got up. He goes back to the seat across from me. I go, wow, how'd that go? And, and, and we look, and this guy gets up. He goes up to the bath, over to the bathroom. He throws up. He comes back. He's completely better. Boom. Jesus brought peace to that chaos. The guy actually goes back to sit directly behind me. <laughs> next to one of my other friends. And my other buddy goes to him. He says, bro, do you realize what just happened? Jesus healed you, bro. And he was so excited. <laughs> I was excited. We were all excited. It was, it was amazing. Jesus brings healing. Well, why is it that we fail to experience that so much in our lives? My guess is this, we want the benefits of the kingdom without the king. We want the benefits of the kingdom, we want the peace, the comfort, the love, without the king in our lives. We replace the king with other things, with other people. Let me tell you a, a final story to kind of close with this. I'm a baseball fan, have been all my life. And so as a baseball fan, one of the bucket list you know, things to do is to go to uh, Wrigley Field, right? I, I, anybody been to Wrigley Field before? So, yes. So beautiful. It's awesome. An amazing experience. And so uh, I decided when we were visiting some friends in Chicago to get some cheap tickets on StubHub, and I took my son, and we went to Wrigley Field together. Amazing Time looking out over the field, it's kind of breathtaking, just like wow. Sitting next to us was this couple, and we start this conversation. Actually, these conversations happen to me all the time. I don't know exactly how, but people just start talking to me, and they and they say, they say, oh, we're from Indianapolis. Uh, the the lady says, oh, I'm a I'm a Cardinals fan, but my my boyfriend here, he's a Cubs fan, so we're on a trip together. And, oh, that's nice. Oh, that's great. Cool. So um, a couple innings later, the guy gets up to purchase some frothy beverages. And uh, the, the girl looks at me and says, I spent $3,000 on this trip, and I don't think he even likes me. 
what do you do? What do you say? Uh, I don't know. I'm not Dr. Phil. I don't know what to do with this situation. So, so they're telling me, she, so she's kind of confiding in me. I'm like, oh, wow, that, that sucks. I'm trying to watch the game. That, that really... Um, so the, the, the game goes on, the boyfriend comes back eventually. A um, couple innings later, though, rain delay. Thunder, lightning, rain, storm, big deal, right? Um, she looks over at me again. The boyfriend again gets up to get some more frothy beverages. And she looks over at me this time, and she says, Do you think I'm pretty? I'm like, uh, I, again, don't know how to respond to this question. This is like the weirdest question I've ever been asked at a baseball. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Essentially, what she was asking, what she was saying to me in this moment is, I'm going through a huge storm in my life right now. That's what she was saying. Not only is there a storm around us, I'm experiencing a storm right now. You see, all my faith is in this guy that's right here, and, and my world's falling apart. Tell me I'm valuable. Um, I just looked over to her, and I don't know. I mean, I, I was so stunned. I was kind of like, this just has to be from God that something comes out of my mouth. It's anywhere worthwhile. I said, I said um, you know what? I don't think my opinion really matters that much. I think there's someone who loves you no matter what, who loves you unconditionally, whose opinion matters a lot more. And I didn't tell her what I did. I didn't say anything about that. And then she said, you know what? I used to go to church all the time, but now I don't know. And this began a dialogue about God and her life. I ha so happens one of my best friends is a pastor in Indianapolis, so I kind of was able to tell her about his place. And, and the look on her face changed. She realized that the guy sitting next to her wasn't the place of ultimate hope in her life. And in so many ways, that's what Jesus wants to do in our hearts. You see, we want him to do things our way, but in reality, he wants to bring peace in a brand new way, in a way that only he can bring as the true king in our lives. Are you tired this morning of bailing out the water in your own boat? Do you want a peace that goes beyond understanding? Do you want something that's more than what this world offers? I would say it's here. It's found right here as we approach Jesus as the true king in our lives. Some of us here have never made that decision to do that before. If you haven't, I would challenge you, this morning is a fantastic morning to do that, to say, Jesus, here is my life. You are the king. It's you. Um, that's what being a Christian is all about, is submitting to his kingship in our lives. For some of us who have already done that, you know, that doesn't guarantee that our lives are never going to feel like a storm that it's never going to feel like we're walking through something that's unbearable. And you just need the peace of God today. Jesus is that prince of peace. And I'm going to pray that he visits you in a special way this morning, that you can experience that peace 
maybe in a way that you haven't in a while. Let me close us in prayer. Jesus, I thank you that you are in control of everything, that nothing is beyond your grasp. And so this morning, Jesus, for those of us here who have never made a decision to place you as the king of their lives, to experience the true peace that you bring that's more than superficial, that's more than based on anything this world has to offer. Lord, I pray that right here in this moment, they would be able to say, Jesus, you are the king. I turn to you. I submit to you. I choose to follow you, not myself, in this very moment. And Lord, for those of us who've made that decision Lord, I pray that you would allow us to experience, even in the midst of the storms of our lives, Lord, those storms sometimes don't go away, they're still there, but, I, but Lord, supernaturally, would you provide peace in the middle of those storms for us? Would you give peace through your spirit in a way that we would be able to, to say, there's nothing else that can possibly explain this other than Jesus, other than you and your work in our lives? Jesus, visit us. Jesus, by your spirit, give us peace. We submit to you humbly. We give you our lives. In your name we pray, amen.